0: Welcome to Econoday Unplugged. Each week, our expert team explains the relationship between economic announcements and market reaction. For over 25 years, Econoday has provided value for the investment industry, amassing a comprehensive, machine-readable database of global market events. Econoday provides solutions for macroeconomics, sovereign debt, agricultural commodities and historical data, all delivered via API, XML and HTML. Connect the dots with Econoday. Subscribe to the Econoday Unplugged podcast and go to www.econoday.com to follow market events. Hello and welcome to Econoday Unplugged. It's Tuesday the 30th July 2019. Mark Pender is stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London where the pound's been falling almost as fast as the rain as new Prime Minister Boris Johnson toes the hard Brexit line. Well, this is a really bumper week for market watchers, including policy statements from the Fed tomorrow, Bank of England on Thursday, alongside a new U.S. employment report and both preliminary GDP and flash inflation data out of the Eurozone. And, of course, we have U.S.-China trade talks, too. So I guess after all the speculation, the Fed has to come first. So, Mr. Pender,
1: Uh final uh thoughts
0: on what they might announce on Wednesday and perhaps before that. What do you think of the uh, first look at the second quarter GDP numbers on Friday?
1: Well, they were very strong. Um, it uh, It was in consumer spending. Um, that really uh, showed a lot of fire. A 4.3% rate that was four tenths above uh, Conaday's consensus uh, really drove uh, um, the quarter. Uh, so other, you, so more, the, more reason more reason for a Fed cut loan? <laughs> <laughs> well, less reason. Um, everything else in that report is really kind of peripheral, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, two-thirds of it is uh, consumer spending, yep. and uh, that's tied to the jobs market, which is very strong. We just had consumer confidence uh, report today, uh, and it had a big unexpected jump in that, um, and that included uh, really positive assessments of the jobs market. Um and uh, so as far as what the Fed is doing um, they're not uh, responding to uh, incoming data they're responding to uh, some kind of a, a perceived risk uh, or um, that uh, business investment perhaps might be uh, slowing although in, in the GDP report it really wasn't that bad and has been and it has been very solid Um uh, whether or not the manufacturing sector uh will suffer because of the constriction going on in global trade well that's probably a positive and that's uh, uh, that's probably um you know uh, something that is is happening and so there is a reason i guess to uh cut interest rates although it would be highly anti- you know anticipatory mm-hmm. um and um Uh, And it also has, you know, it has a bad feel to it. It's not like the Federal Reserve is standing up for itself. Um, You know, it it really has in tradition, uh, you know, been a a center of reason and, and, and common sense and cooperative uh, policy um, at, at that kind of a, a group level. And uh, now that might be going out the window, definitely. It's being shown with the Trump administration uh, calling now for a 50 basis point uh, cut uh, tomorrow. Um, it's just uh, kind of shattered. Uh, it's uh, it not really is, is so much of its credibility as its institutional tradition and where it stands. So it's really moving in... um. In line with uh, with political uh, moves, at the same time that you know, fiscal spending is absolutely through the roof. Um, so uh, we had the core inflation today; it did a, a small uptick, uh, one6 percent, going to the two percent um, target relative to the two percent target. The core, on the monthly basis, almost made a zero point three, which w- which is which would be very high. Um, But uh, inflation is basically a flat, and that does give them room. Uh, to uh, to lower rates uh, but you know they're doing it in sync now with uh, with the with the ECB um, and I guess even what you were talking about you've been talking about the Bank of England and now there's even talk there I guess we'll we should uh, shift to that but um, in general it's kind of an odd time right now uh, you know we're going to get Jerome Powell's uh, press conference tomorrow uh, you know we have uh, strong uh, GDP we have strong consumer uh, spending, uh, uh, we have a strong uh, labor market. You know, Phillips must be spinning in his grave because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, the unemployment rate is expected to go to 3.6 on Friday. Um, uh, there, you know, uh, we're, we're testing uh, which, the which capacity it, of the labor market. It, yeah. it
0: really makes me wonder, let's suppose looking to Friday, and perhaps you can give us a, you know, a quick um, spiel about what the markets are looking for and so on. But if we were to see, let's say, a particularly strong payroll and, say, a jump in average earnings, mm-hmm. then surely the bond market has got, to, <laughs> has got to take it negatively. It must have after the Fed,
1: presumably, has just cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If, if, if they think, or if there's the, uh, uh, the view that uh, the Fed's rate cuts would then diminish or would then reverse or would then stabilize, uh, what's going to be important, I guess, tomorrow is going to be how the outlook they give. You know what's interesting? We have the employment report on Friday. And in the past, you know, bits of the, of the uh, employment report uh, can be released to the Federal Reserve and to the Treasury, so they may be gain- getting a peek at some of that report. Um, okay. if that's just conjecture, but I have seen those kinds of things over the years in the past, um, and they have special access. So, um, as far as the the, the chair uh, chairman, so um, it is possible that there, that could be anticipated um, and could limit their um you know how much they're they're willing to say that they'll cut in the future uh, you know, it, but it's also now we're having talk that they're going to just immediately end quantitative easing. I mean, there's only a couple months to go. I mean, why bother? You know, uh, you know, showing this kind of uh, of, uh, of of a reaction, an overreaction, which is yeah. something central banks aren't supposed to do. And so it's been it's not a really great time for the tradition of the Federal Reserve. And Jerome Powell has to take, uh, you know, he has he's the Trump appointee. He you know he's the inside man. Uh, he, uh, he went with the institution, uh, and now he's flying back the other way, or it, it certainly would seem that way. Uh, so I don't think that this is really a if the Federal Reserve at its greatest moment. But I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about the Bank of England.
0: Okay. Well, perhaps just before we get to the B of E, just quickly sum up the uh, the ECB which was uh, sort of the first of the big four central banks to announce they, um, they made their statement last Thursday. what have they done? Well, um, as Mark was talking about possible coordinated rate cuts, uh, the ECB didn't actually come out and ease per se last week. But what they did, they really left everything looking uh, set for a possibly broad base ranging stimulus once we get into their next meeting, which will be in September. So no change in official interest rates last week. But crucially, they did modify their forward guidance, Um which now includes the possibility of lower rates. And that's something they haven't included well, until we go back to around about what 2017 time, if my memory serves me correctly. They also talked about that they'll be setting up committees, looking into a range of additional measures aimed at boosting inflation back to target. So the bottom line of all this is that it now seems extremely likely that September will see a full blown ease Probably encompassing both a a cut in interest rates, which would mean, of course, that the benchmark REFI rate would finally go into negative territory for the first time, as well as a fresh round of quantitative easing. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of assets they include in that because it may be they'll expand it perhaps to include equities. Um, with regards to Bank of England then well this is one of the interesting ones because as things currently stand they're kind of still pointing in a different direction Um, as we talk of course there's still the fug that is Brexit hanging over the meeting um, and markets really I suppose may be looking for the Bank of England to follow the expected easing by the Fed tomorrow and ECB in September but the BE's attitude at the moment does appear to be rather different and what they're concerned about is really what we call the output gap so how Actual output stands in relation to how output can actually perform when it's doing as well as it possibly can. And the Bank of England's view is that, well, to all intents and purposes, this, this gap is pretty well closed. Now, what that means is if they were to come out and provide additional monetary stimulus to boost demand, because output couldn't respond any, in any time soon, it would need to increase in productivity or higher investment before that could happen. The first round reaction would be an increase in inflation. So, as things currently stand, The bank's view appears to be that it's more likely at this stage that interest rates will go up, not for the time being certainly, but more medium term, they see interest rates more likely to go up than than to go down. Now, I think for a lot of people looking at good old Brexit, we're back on that again. Uh, the view has been that were we to get a hard Brexit, then the bank would be forced to cut interest rates because of the damage that such a move would do to the real economy. And certainly now we have Boris Johnson installed as the new prime minister, and he's very much surrounded himself by, if you like, hard Brexiteers. Indeed, if it was no surprise that Johnson won the battle for the leadership last week, there was certainly a good deal of surprise about just how much of Theresa May's cabinet was culled. In fact, about half of the entire cabinet is now sitting on the bank Benches and their positions have been filled by people loyal to Bron- loyal to Johnson and folks who really want you know, just to get the UK out the EU as soon as possible. So the risk of a hard Brexit has very much increased, which I think, from a, a financial market perspective, is being perceived as increasing the likelihood that the bank will come out and cut interest rates at some point. But the bank's already made clear that if it's the case that we get a hard Brexit and the supply side shocks so over shock to output is more damaging than any kind of hit we get to domestic demand, then we're still in the same kind of boat. The chances are that inflation could actually go up rather than down. So they're sticking to this view that interest rates may have to go up. I think it's pretty hard really to see the bank coming out and raising interest rates if the economy were to fall into some kind of recession. But it's the kind of view they're talking at the moment. And I suppose in either event perhaps suggests that at least for the time being anyway, financial markets are a little bit too complacent that we will see UK interest rates going down irrespective of what might be happening elsewhere in the world. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. It's still very much politics at the moment. And obviously, all the talk over here is what's going to happen with Brexit. And as folks might have seen from the way the pound's been performing, it really has taken something of a a right raw stuffing over the course of the last few days. And that's just really a reflection of the fact that Boris Johnson has come out all guns blazing, um, essentially saying what he wants to do now is to uh, review and renegotiate the existing withdrawal treaty. So this is a treaty that Theresa May agreed with the European Union and includes this dreaded backstop, which he's completely refusing to accept. The EU is still maintaining, well, there's absolutely no way we're going to change this. We've told you that already, and so now I must say, you know, the probability of um, a no-deal Brexit is certainly increasing. But as we've talked on this podcast, I suppose many times in the past, um, a no-deal Brexit, unless something changes, will have to, we have to get through Parliament, and Parliament's going to do its damnedest to try and prevent it. So it's still kind of anyone's guess as to what's going to happen over here. we'll wow. it's still rottenness.
1: It is, it is. Uh, but it's interesting that the uh, the it seemed pretty clear that there would be an increase in the probability of a hard Brexit, but there seemed to be a reluctance to accept this view. But um, it's hard not to, to, to see anything else, really, um, unless, like you say, a parliament um, intervention of some kind Um
0: that's right, and it would have to be an intervention because, saying you know, that, the bottom line, of course, well, the bottom bottom line, I should say, is the fact that unless something actually changes, then we will be leaving under UK law, yeah, you know, on at the end of October mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So as we start getting closer to this end date, I mean, you know, UK financial markets could be really volatile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And let's suppose, you know, the Fed does one cut this week and that's it it doesn't cut anymore. The ECB is cutting interest rates and you could really start building up quite a you know, quite a very, well, a very strong positive dollar scenario mm-hmm. where there are higher interest rates, you know, an economy which is doing OK versus a complete mess right across mm-hmm. Europe. Because Brexit is bad for the UK, but it's certainly bad mm-hmm. for the EU as well, and yeah, and negative interest rates in, in continental Europe too. So it's um, yeah. it's certainly possible. Knit it together, strong dollar picture. hmm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the one thing though, if uh, with a, uh, it seems to if we have a coordinated or de facto coordinated um, interest rate cuts, it would have a, a coordinated effect on currencies. It would it would tend to keep the um, uh, the spreads. Uh, you know, a comparable, and maybe would limit the volatility. They um, do. They
0: yeah. do. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, investors can start looking around. Well, how do we make any money? Um, and if you're looking at continental europe with negative interest rates uh-huh. you know, so you're actually you know, paying paying for the benefit of holding an asset well at least in the, if you can actually earn some money when you're holding us dollar den- denominated assets yeah. as you say it's it's, it's going to be an interesting one because it really is sort of a i'm not sure brave new world to right expression but it's certainly a new one um as we go forwards mm-hmm. yeah. um but I should, I should quickly mention i suppose in terms of the numbers out of europe this week of interest we'll get our first look at um second quarter uh eurozone gdp the so-called preliminary flash number and um, it really is it's very simple unfortunately we don't get all of the nitty-gritty of the national accounts like you do your side of the pond uh, it will just be simply headline growth numbers uh quarterly and the annual basis that's expected to show a 0.2 percent quarterly increase in real gdp for the eurozone as a whole and what day
1: uh, that, uh, what day is that
0: uh that is due out on wednesday so that's tomorrow and, and, and today
1: we had france right
0: Today, we had France, which I must say was a little bit disappointing. The French economy of late actually has been, been doing relatively well compared to, well, certainly the likes of Germany. But it was um, the second quarter number was only 0.2% quarter on quarter. Um, and that's as bad as we've seen in France since uh, it last contracted several years ago now. And it, you know, it just makes that little bit more downside risk as far as the eurozone's is concerned. Uh-huh. Markets looking for sort of around 02 there, which should only be half the rate we saw in the first quarter. So, Again, it's just, you know, this is the real reason, of course, why the UCB's having to cut interest rates. Mm. Um, Wednesday, we'll also get the flash inflation data. So, the first look at that for July. As expected to see inflation again, while hovering around about the 1%, and ditto the core rate too. So, again, mm. you know, despite everything the UCB's done so far, underlying inflation in the Eurozone really ain't going anywhere.
1: And just a real quick detail on GDP. So, And Germany's GDP isn't due until, what, next week? We don't get until, yeah, if I remember right, next week. That's right, yeah. And so uh, tomorrow when we get the European, will they include any data on Germany?
0: Well, I think well they'll put an assumption about Germany in there, even though they won't actually have. But I suspect they'll have more data than anybody else will via the um, – by the uh, stats people in Germany, who'll provide them some figures, but they won't be official figures, so we won't actually we won't actually know what they are. Mm. Um, but tomorrow we will also get the Italian first quarter GDP sorry, second quarter GDP flash as well for GDP. So that'll be another of the big countries. So we'll start to f- you know get some idea about what's going on. But you know, I suppose in many words, in many ways, you've got to say that you know the key uh, interest for investors in the eurozone at the moment is Germany because it's you know we look at the PMIs, who's the bottom of the pile it's germany and mm-hmm. germany is still you know getting on for 30 percent of eurozone gdp so where germany goes it's still the case that a lot of the eurozone tends to follow
1: and, so for, the, and for the and for the fed you know slowing in europe uh and slowing in asia um you know they're they're looking across the oceans i guess and that would uh, you know speak to uh the need for a rate cut or preventative rate cut i think so that could be part of their argument
0: I'll tell you what will be interesting I say, if the Fed don't do much with rates and we do see the dollar start to rally, what is Mr.
1: Trump going to say? <laughs> you say he likes a strong dollar, that's what you're supposed to say, but you know. that's what he's
0: supposed to say, yes, but, <laughs> hmm. competitive devaluations and the like me think uh, so yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, All right.
0: Well, I guess we've been talking pretty long enough. I should just quickly round off with uh, the Bank of Japan, which today had its meeting and its left short-term interest rates unchanged at minus 0.1%. It also kept the target for its uh, 10-year government bond yield at around zero. None of that's any great surprise. But it did also um, very much underline the fact that it wouldn't hesitate to take additional easing measures if effectively the economy starts to lose momentum again. Um, And again, at the moment, I think, you know, truly the call on the Japanese economy is kind of 50-50. June was quite a good month, but second quarter as a whole was fairly disappointing.
1: Well, that reminds me, I mean, we, maybe we can close on this, but the, the comment, I, I, I cut it, a comment out from the Bank of Japan, and it really did strike me. This is almost like a war cry. This is a, a Kuroda saying, mm-hmm. um, uh, quote, downside risks concerning the global economy are greater Ah, uh, due to various factors such as protectionist moves and geopolitical risk. And the BOJ needs to pay more attention to downside risks than before. He went on, if the risk raises that uh, the momentum toward achieving the price two percent price target will be lost, quote, without hesitation, we will conduct additional easy policy. I mean, they're out. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you, you can't get in front of them trying to be any easier, right? Well, I
0: what do, what do uh, you think i mean, in terms of you can see commentary like that. and You think, well, why didn't they cut today? It seems like they're pretty well made their minds up.
1: Yeah, they don't have anywhere to go either. Right. So, well,
0: I think it's, uh, again, and this is, I suppose, if you want to be negative about the outlook for the global economy, on I mean, at least your side of the pond, you've got a little bit of interest rate left to cut. You know, mm-hmm. for Europe, we're already at zero. Bank of Mm -hmm. England, if it were to cut, is only at Mm 0.75%. Japan's Mm -hmm. negative. Switzerland's negative. Mm -hmm. What do you do? It's all kind Um, of incomprehensible. So you have to print money and buy bonds, right? Well, you do that. And I think what we will see will be more and more pressure now on fiscal policy. I mean, I think, you know, Draghi last week again was really banging the drum, effectively saying, Well look, monetary policy has kind of kept the Eurozone's economic head above water over the last five years or so. It's uh-huh. now turn of the policy, you know, the fiscal policy makers come out and start reducing taxes or spending or a combination of the two to make sure that you know the economy somehow starts to get some momentum again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, one
1: side the that's one side the US doesn't have flexibility. Well, I was just about to say it. Europe yeah, has space well, on that, but you That's both, interesting. You? That's an interesting flip, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Right.
0: Talking of flipping there, we'll flip the end call on that one then. Um on behalf of Mark and myself, thanks as always for listening. Do remember to keep up to date with all the key market moving data and events in Econoday's global economic calendar, and we will be back again next week. Bye for now. Ecomoday has provided value for the investment industry for over 25 years, amassing a comprehensive machine-readable database of global market events. Our exceptional dataset consists of consensus, actual reported, and revised numbers of economic events. Algorithmic trading firms, global banks, asset managers, hedge funds, and AI technology firms are leveraging Econoday's unique historical dataset to fuel their proprietary trading models and support their research and compliance teams. Go to www.econoday.com and follow at Econoday on Twitter to learn more.